Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and welcome to another edition of Perspectives on Healthcare. This is number 21 in the Patient's Perspective Interview Marathon. It features Joe Edelman, who gives both a patient's perspective and a patient's advocate perspective. Joe's from Allentown, and he is a professional photographer. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. So without further ado, here is my interview with Joe Edelman. Welcome to the podcast. What's your name? Joe Edelman. How are you, Rob? I am well, thanks, Joe. Appreciate you being here. And Joe, sure. where are you from? I am based in Allentown, Pennsylvania, on the east coast of the U.S. We're living here in Allentown, as Billy Joel once <laughs> said. That's um, it. Wonderful. All right, so Joe, can, tell me, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your experiences in healthcare, please? Sure. Uh, I am by trade a commercial photographer. I've done that my whole life. Uh, I spend most of my time at this point in my career educating um, now that we're starting to get back to somewhat of a normal life, I travel the country and educate, but also doing a lot virtually online. Um, healthcare experience, I've actually been pretty lucky throughout my 62 years. I've, you know, had only a few very minor surgeries and, you know, my routine visits to the doctors. I do have a wife that deals with um, the fallout from a mild stroke that affected her hearing and vestibular system. So we spend a lot of time dealing with healthcare and, you know, various doctors and specialists. Um, so that's honestly really where more of my experience comes from in terms of being her advocate. Sure. Okay. So let me, uh, let me just tell you my uh, explanation to a doctor, the question about what is minor surgery. <laughs> and to me, minor surgery is surgery that's performed on someone else. Um, because all <laughs> surgery that is, that is performed on me to me is major surgery. I, I once, okay. I, I told a surgeon that one time and apparently he has no sense of humor because he was right. like, well, actually, sir, it is minor surgery. And I'm like, you know, apparently you need to, um, open up the ear canals cause you're not hearing what I'm saying. Right. But, um, can you, you talking about that advocacy element for your wife, mm -hmm. can you talk about that? Like what are the, you know, what are your experiences as being an advocate for someone else? How does that, what does that look like? Uh, you know, it's, it's been an interesting learning curve. So I think I was first introduced to the concept without even knowing what it was. And that was um, really with my mother-in-law, my, my, uh, my wife's mother. She was in her early nineties. Um, her health was failing uh, she was a big woman. My my wife wasn't able to physically help her. So I took her to a lot of her doctor's appointments and that. And of course, she was at an advanced age where she wasn't great at communicating and kind of tracking questions the doctor was asking. So a lot of it started initially as really almost like a translator, uh, mm -hmm. making sure that, you know, the, the doctors were absolutely understanding her answers and that she was understanding that, you know, the questions. But um in my wife's case, a lot of it has simply been trying to get doctors to take advantage of some of the technology that we have, 
because not everybody is. And to make sure that there's better communications amongst the doctors, because she takes quite a bit of various medications to manage her situation. And it's coming from different doctors. And so for anybody that's ever kind of been through a situation like that, or even with um, just basic medications for anxiety or depression, it's kind of like a cocktail. There's no guaranteed, take this pill, you're good to go. They, and then when you start introducing other medications, they've got to balance it out and work it out. So it's an ongoing process. And then the slightest little change for something new can kind of tip over the whole apple cart in, in terms of that balance. So it's really been a challenge and you know, getting, getting the doctors to communicate to really, really evaluate the meds. So that's where a lot of the advocacy comes in. My wife is a very non-confrontational person um, so she tends to not speak up for herself when she has frustrations like that. And she's a, she's a PhD in, in cognitive psychology. So she, she's able to talk to doctors like a scientist, which they tend to like, sure. but she will not push. Right. So advocacy in our situation is really, I'm, I'm the guy that, that pushes and, and really kind of gets them to make sure they're taking those extra steps. So you're the bad cop. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll just ask this. You mentioned about um, utilizing the technologies that are available. Yeah. Uh, can you just briefly talk about what technologies you're referencing? Yeah, well, I mean, I, for me, so I guess let me start with, you know, even for my age, I love tech. I think the technology we have available to us today is just this amazing gift. Um, the, the fact that, um, we still can't easily go from one doctor or one hospital or one state to another. And, uh, you know, if there's an emergency and you wind up in an emergency room for people to be able to access all of your records and things like that, that's still a challenge and it's not seamless. Um, Apple through, you know, their health apps and that we've got companies like that, that are making, you know, big strides. But even if you go into the Apple app, I'm, a, I'm an Apple user. I love their health app. If you go into that and you look at what health networks participate, it's a fraction of the number of health networks in the United States. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet it's less than 1%, much less than 1% of wow. all the health networks that participate. So, um, you know, a, an emergency room doctor, if I'm in an accident in, in another state, does not have immediate access to all of my metal, medical records. Um, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, even within the health, and we're in a, we're very fortunate. We live in an area in Allentown where we have a, a great health network, the Lehigh Valley Hospital Network. Um, very well funded, very wealthy network. They've got a lot of cool stuff. But even going from one doctor to the next, we frequently find that medications have not updated in the system from a last visit to this new doctor. And each doctor's office, and we've been told this point blank, they like to keep their own set of notes. And so they frequently won't review other notes that are in the system. So the technology is there, mm. the information's there, which, you know, and I, I can completely actually respect that. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to make the doctors the bad guys, but what that says is, since I've heard it from multiple doctors, we're not using the tech right. They need to have a better way to summarize kind of a current status of medical treatment for these doctors so that when any of the doctors opens it up, they are first and foremost immediate aware, immediately aware of any recent changes, any recent things that have happened with the patient with other doctors who are taking care of that patient. 
And I don't know if it's the system doesn't provide it or the doctors just bypass it, right. but it's regularly an issue. Okay. So have you met any healthcare heroes in the, in your journey? Yeah. You know, you send me this question and I, I immediately kind of was like, gosh, who would I say it? And I'm going to give you maybe a different answer than other people have given, because I know in a conversation like this, it's really easy. It's really easy to kind of maybe just turn it into a little bit of a bitch fest. And, and, and I think I would call healthcare heroes, honestly, anybody that's showing up on a day-to-day -day basis and doing their job and showing empathy, really showing empathy to their patients because I, I'm a photographer. I'm certainly a non-essential job. I, I, and you know, you think back for the last couple of years through a pandemic, I can't imagine what any healthcare worker did. Um, so I would like to take an optimistic approach and say that I, I think honestly, almost everybody that, that chooses, a, you know, a line of work that puts them in healthcare and dealing with people, whether it's, you know, frontline trauma people or, just somebody working in a general practitioner's office, I think they are heroes because, um, you know, they're providing a, a crucial service. I, I think where the lacking part of healthcare is for me, it's the support that the industry, that the system is providing them to make their jobs easier and to alleviate a lot of the problems. I know your last guest was talking almost about the idea of empathy and caring about a patient, I'll take the optimistic approach and say that I think most people in healthcare do, but I think that they're somewhat overworked and overwhelmed. And I think as a result of that, um, a lot of what we're doing in the healthcare industry is we're trying to automate a lot of the process. I know my general practitioner, and I won't name names, but I joke with my wife when we visit him, any malady or anything that gets talked about, he stands in the room in front of a computer and mm. he types in the computer. He types notes the entire time. And if we ask a question, he literally will type the question to the computer and read us wow. the results. Here's your reminder. And so, you know, I, and I, I like the man. I think he works very hard to, to provide a service, but we're segregating wow. so many of the different pieces of medicine that we're also not encouraging our practitioners to, to really think and really invest themselves in their patients. So it, it's a challenging balance. I, I don't think it's that they don't care. I think it's that they're, the way their jobs are being structured, it, it's not always practical for sure. them to put in the effort that patients deserve. Right. And what I hear you saying is that most, most healthcare workers are heroes Sometimes it's the Absolutely. system that is the, the system that fails us. So yeah, yep. I, I think um, that's very much the, the case. I really do. What does quality healthcare mean to you? Wow, quality healthcare, I think, is you know, so it, it, number one, it is making sure that the resources are available, um, access to, you know, obviously not only the, the, the medicines and the treatments, but also the knowledge base. Uh, certainly, and, that, and that's where we go back to the technology. It's not even just about sharing patient records, but different parts of the world, different parts of the country, there are certainly hospitals or hospital networks that may not have, for that matter, access to 
uh, specialists who are well-trained in certain areas or on cutting edge. And, and we need to make sure that these people have access to, um, you know, the people that have that, that cutting edge knowledge. I mean, obviously it's easy for me to dream big, but I think with all this technology we have, I just see us creating a lot of kind of vertical silos that doctors are working in and, you know, they specialize in these very narrow pieces. And on one hand, that's great because if you've got that problem, then, you know, this doctor, that's all that doctor does. They're going to be able to do a great job on it. But at the same time, frequently people have problems that overlap different genres. And if you're talking about overlapping issues, you're talking about just being in a place where, where you don't have cutting edge systems and knowledge available, we have to find ways to make it available. Uh, at least the knowledge base, especially because that can be done electronically. Um, everybody knows how to do a Zoom call now. Just even the idea that a doctor could consult with a doctor. So I think quality healthcare is really about throwing everything that is available at it to make it accessible. And I think once we've done that, it's a lot easier to focus on things like empathy and, and, you know, really kind of that, that quality of how we treat people in the process and how we make people feel. Cause doctors are frequently meeting people for the first time or dealing with people at potentially the lowest point of their life. Right. So it's not always a great, great situation to begin with. And it does require sometimes treading carefully. Yeah. What you said right there, tweetable moment, doctors are often dealing with people at the worst point in their life. So straight, sure. we've got two minutes and I've got two questions. Go for it. What do you wish medical, well, your medical providers understood about you? Um, I think it's a little bit of what I just said. It's, it's, you know, like anybody else, I, I would want to see the best possible care for myself, for my loved ones. And I, I would address this more to the administrators. Uh, in the medical industry in the sense that they, they need to give their doctors, their nurses, their specialists, the bandwidth to be able to really understand their patients. Um, you know, we have shortages of doctors in different specialties in this area. So it's a problem. You know, you sometimes you're waiting six to eight months to see a doctor and then that doctor's got an incredible workload every given day. So they're looking at their watch the whole time they're talking to you. Right. It's it's just really it's about time. All right. Last question. Mm -hmm. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? I, I think it's number one, they've all got to embrace technology, but not hide behind the technology. I I don't ever see, you know, medicine's not an exact science. I don't know that it ever will be. So I, I don't see technology as something that should be replacing that human. Uh, you know, I, it, we've got to take the, when I was a kid, you go to a doctor and a doctor prescribed you medicine or treated you based on their experience. And sometimes it was nothing more than a gut instinct. That, that's all we had to rely on. Now we, we still need that gut instinct. We need that experience, but we have the advantage of being able to access incredible amounts of knowledge but we're not always doing that. We need to put the two together. And I think that's the first step. I really do. I, excellent. Joe, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your willingness to share. Um, thanks for helping out with this effort. And I will just tell you, I appreciate your perspective on healthcare. Well, I appreciate it, Rob. I think it's really cool what you're doing. Good luck with the rest of it. Okay? Take care. Yep, Take bye. care.
Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.